You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hit that subscribe button if you are digging what you're hearing. We drop new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday for your listening pleasure. (laughs) And if you love the show, please help us out by taking a couple of minutes to write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can pause this episode real fast and it would help us out tremendously. We love hearing what episodes and topics you're most interested in, and reading your reviews helps us make our show even better. So thank you in advance. And now, for the entrepreneur out there who is burnt out, whose wheels have been spinning because you're doing all the things, you're a one-woman show, and you are just plain tired. You miss your kids. You don't have time for your spouse or partner. You've started your business to give your life freedom, but right now it feels like your business is running you. If that is you, my friend, then today's show is for you. We sat down for a conversation with Simon Severino to talk about how you can design a business that can run itself without you, which will increase your profit and scale your business more than you could ever imagine. Simon is the CEO of Strategy Sprints, Europe's leading remote growth advisory. His global team of certified strategy sprint coaches do only one thing, double the revenue of service-based businesses in 90 days. Simon also teaches growth strategy in select business schools and is host of the Strategy Show podcast. Now, are you ready to be challenged? Good, then it's going to require you to loosen the tight fist you have on every aspect of your business. I know it's tough, but bear with us. This is going to be so good. Simon breaks down in today's show why it's so important as an entrepreneur to stop thinking you're the star of the show and instead switch to a galaxy mindset. He chats practical steps of what to do to get started expanding your team, what to look for when finding the right people for your team, and how to successfully replicate your magic. Now, if you are sitting there in your solopreneur office, stressed out of your mind, but afraid to hire on a team or associates to expand your business, Simon is going to challenge you today. Because the reality is, if you are a service-based business and you're just doing it yourself, there's only so far you can grow. So... Let's get your life back and learn how to strategically build a team of Avengers ready to take off into the galaxy in three, two, one, blast off. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Simon, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are beyond excited to have you. Oh my gosh. Well, for anybody that doesn't know you, can you just start off the show and please tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi, I'm Simon Severino. I'm the CEO of Strategy Sprints. We double the revenue of service-based businesses via coaching and we do it worldwide. I'm based in Vienna, Austria, and I'm super excited to be here. Oh Oh, my gosh. Your (laughs) accent is gorgeous, by the way. I meant to say that earlier, but I'm so excited to hear you talk for the rest of today. I love accents. (laughs) I guess it's half Italian, half Austrian, and half it's Italo-English. 
I love it. It's so it's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, Simon, or is it Simone or Simon? What would you prefer that I call you? Most people call me Simon. In Italy, I'm Simone. Okay. I love it. <laughs> but Simon, for your story, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you became so passionate about teaching people business and what you do today? Sure. So I started teaching business in St. Gallen, Switzerland, because I had the, the privilege of having a boss, Professor Malik, who was running MBAs and masters in management for executives. So I was in the middle of executive education and I jumped into it. I took every chance that he gave me. He was a wonderful boss. I could travel with him to New York, to Beijing, be in executive meetings, documenting their strategy decisions. I learned a ton about business in different fields. We did the market entry strategy for some countries. We did the with strategy rollout with other countries. So I was in the very middle of consulting and 30% of what we did was teaching in these masters and MBAs what we learned on the field. And I found it so extremely creative. It was the, the, the craft. You go out into the field, you try stuff, you see stuff, you build stuff, you share mm -hmm. stuff, you fall on your nose, you stand up again, you rebuild it. And then every fourth week, I, I would be in this MBA and I would tell these war stories of what I did and what went wrong and what went right. And here's the template, by the way. And they, they were so happy because they were, they were getting the blueprint for their business. And I loved it because I want to have happy clients and successful clients. And they were like, wow, Simon, thank you for this blueprint for how to do segmentation. And I was really fed by this feedback and I wanted to have more of this feedback. And so that's how I continued. Now it's 17 years later. Whoa, I love it. You can hear the passion, the excitement for what you do in your voice. And it is so contagious. Like even hearing you talk right now, I'm like, yes, I love it. Let's go. Let's talk. <laughs> then one thing happened. I became my own bottleneck. So I was always doing this mix of consulting and teaching. And now I'm consulting, I'm consulting, I'm consulting. But one thing happened. First, I got kids. So I have two boys, uh -huh. now, Federico and Alessandro. And, and the first thing that happened, I, I prefer to play with them than to fly anywhere in the world. Second thing is my day has only 24 hours. I had clients in many countries from, from Australia to the US. And so I was limited by that. I had to find a smarter way of doing business or just cut everybody out and say, okay, I'm at my limit. But what kind of business is this that says no to people mm -hmm. who want something? Mm -hmm. So I had a problem. <laughs> I had to solve that problem. And I find a creative way. And this might be interesting for many of you who are listening right now, who are photographers or educators, and they, they have basically more people than they can deliver to. Mm -hmm. So I had to face one thing. I booked a business coach and I said, hey, I have a problem. My business model is not solid. I am the bottleneck here. I'm doing everything. I am the 
I'm the teacher, I'm the consultant, I am the CEO, I am the department of sales, of IT, of legal, of everything boring, of accounting. Uh, I can do this in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And so my coach said, Simon, you have to go from ego to eco. Oh, um, that's a but, good phrase. Yeah. So from basically I had to go from star to galaxy, right? And I said, <laughs> all right, so let's bring in some other stars. And it was a tough, a tough call because I had to fire myself from fulfillment. <laughs> you, you cannot do this part-time because if you still do your fulfillment, you will be pulled back into it. So it's really at that point, of course, if you don't have that situation where more people want to work with you, then you can deliver, then it's too early. But if you're listening right now and you are at that point and you know that five more people want to work with you, but you just cannot do it without your quality of life going down. Because many people right now, they're listening. They are doing 150K a year and they want to do 300,000 per year. But what I don't know if, if you don't fire yourself from fulfillment and you go up to 300,000, you will have a miserable life. Mm -hmm. And that's not work. <laughs> that's not worth 150. Yeah. No, that's so good. I've never heard it described as like we always think, oh, you outsource a part of your business to something else. But I love that you phrased it in the way of like, you have to fire yourself from fulfillment because mm -hmm. that's so true. Like you have to really fill that role with somebody else that's not you. I love that. And that kind of pivots perfectly into kind of just the topic of today's conversation, which is like how to design a business that runs without you. And so, ah, uh, that this is great. This is great. Um, <laughs> I, I even just listening to you said, say that I, I think of like my business and Evie, I'm sure you can think of like the point in your business too, where mm -hmm. it, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Simon. Like you get to that point where it, you feel so overwhelmed, so overworked. You're doing so many things. I remember being so worked that I literally had to like reject clients back and forth because I was like, oh, I, I can't, I don't have the capacity to take them. And at the time, I didn't realize that I could outsource or get an associate or like free up my time. That was not a consideration. I was just like, oh, I just don't have time. And when you do that, you're leaving money on the floor. Mm -hmm. And it's not that easy. That, that's why I think the word outsourcing is, I think, um, too much of a sugar coat. It's really firing yourself. Yeah. yeah. And because it, it's an emotional labor, you will feel like, oh my God, but I will be starving. I love this. I want this feedback. I want this relationship. I want this. I am, my soul is fed by this. This is exactly what I said to my coach. And this is what dozens of people say right now to the sprint coaches in our sprint program. So every Monday I'm there for all the sprint coaches and uh, they're doing an amazing job. And every Monday they have this resistance from their clients who say, but I am getting fed by this. This is why I do it because I love doing what I do. Yeah. And it's okay. And it's true, but you will not miss it you will be fed by other relationships because mm -hmm. you will not be doing nothing all the day. Of course, I do now much more exercise and I have much more <laughs> time for friends and for my kids, yes. But I still have relationships with the coaches. You will be coaching the coaches. So if you're a photographer, you will be certifying photographers who do it mm -hmm. for you. 
the, the smartest way for a service business is their certification model. So yeah. you will be certifying people and you cannot outsource the certification. You really have to fire yourself from fulfillment because you have to build the certification program. Mm -hmm. And it took me three years to build it, but now we teach how to build it in 90 days. Oh, wow. That's so good. That's such a tough one though, because I think so many entrepreneurs, like you were saying, Simon, they, they want to hold on to stuff because they love what they do. They got into it because they loved what they were doing. And for us to, to let go of that is so difficult, but it's kind of a mindset shift where you have to step back and look at, you know, what, where can I go with myself in this business if I just stay exactly where I am versus where could I take this business if I fire myself and bring on other people who, like you were saying, like bring on other stars, stop thinking of myself as the star and like get a, this galaxy mindset and change my business. And it's, it's like a, a tough pill to swallow, but it's so worthwhile if we're actually willing to, you know, humble ourselves, fire ourselves and bring on other people. I like the word galaxy mindset. I think it describes <laughs> it very well. And so I, I always talk of our team, the Strategy Sprints team, as being a bunch of uh, superpowers that come together. And everybody has their unique superpower. Of course, there is no, no second Simon in the team and there is no need for a second Simon in the team. Everybody brings different superpowers to the table. And, and now this is exactly what your job will be. So let's assume for a second that you fire yourself from fulfillment right now. Don't panic. It's just an exercise. <laughs> and now you, you are not. Well, of course, yes, you will be reading more. You will be playing more. You will be having more fun in life. Yes. But then you will have to go and build the certification program. So now you will look out for the other stars. Who else is a star in photography? and has not yet built a big brand, but they would like to be part of a big brand. So who is on your mission? Your first step, you write down your values, your core values. What matters to you? What does this brand bring into the world? Why is it important? Why, why would the world miss it? Mm. And so that's the core values part. And you have to make that transparent because this will attract now the other stars who say, oh, this mission, that's my mission. For example, I am investing in Tesla. I am so far away from Tesla. Uh, I'm in Vienna, Austria. But <laughs> what they are creating speaks to me. So I want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I take shares in that story. I want to be part of that story. And this is, and this is what you need to do. Describe the story, values, the mission, where will you be in three years, in five years? Why does it matter? How does it feel to be part of your team? And now people will start and you just post it on the socials and people will start conversations with you. Hey, how can I be part of this? And then mm -hmm. bit by bit, you create the certification program. You create a business model around that. And now you have new relationships. You have the relationships not to the clients anymore, but to the people you certify. You serve these people now so that mm -hmm. they can serve your clients. So good. Um, just to bring it to, I know our listeners listening. Um, 
Simon's using a little bit different language than I think what's specifically maybe in the photography industry. Um, But just to like connect the dots to anybody listening, what he's talking about is, especially as a photographer or a service-based business, when you get to a place where you yourself physically cannot take any more capacity. What I'm understanding, Simon, from what you're saying for for the photography industry specifically, it's kind of like hiring on associate photographers to work under you, under your brand and company. Is that correct? That's the traditional way. I would say reinvent the game. It's it's not an associate photographer. It's a team of Avengers. It's a team of people with superpowers and they have complete different. I don't like the senior junior model. I never liked it, but now it's time really to reinvent it. Ooh. To me, there is I no, love- yeah, there is no associate. Uh, don't, don't employ people. You make them, you make them less, less mature than they are. So mm-hmm. they are stars like you are, mm-hmm. but they have different superpowers. You don't need a full-time contract with them. You need them only when you have more clients than you need right now. So you pay them on a client base. They are free. They are stars. They want their freedom. But on top of that, they want to be part of something bigger because then they are part of a team. Stars are usually lonely. So now they are also part of your mission, of your team. And you have either better clients or bigger clients or better paid projects. Something that makes it worthwhile being part of your team for maybe 30%, 40% of their time. I love that. That gives them the freedom to do their own thing, but yet they have ownership and buy-in to your brand and your mission and your, you know, your core values. And they have an incentive to continue to help your business grow because the more your business grows, the more clients that you get, the more they're needed, which means the more work they get. So it's almost like a a symbiotic like relationship, if that's the right term, of like everyone's happy, everyone's serving and feeding and benefiting the other people involved from clients to, you know, your other uh, team of Avengers to you and back again. It's just like a cycle. Would you say that's accurate, Simon? Absolutely. And now this is exactly the win-win-win situation that you want to create. And it has no risk at all on your budget because when you have more clients, you can deliver, but when you have less clients, they are still stars in their field. They can still have a good life. It's just not a great life, but it's a good life. And when you have more clients again, because you have to plan for volatile market situations as we see this year, but it's always good to plan for volatile. So when you have a lot of clients, you can deliver. And when you have fewer clients, you still can deliver. I love that. So I have a question, a follow-up question to all of this, because I love this conversation, but I know there's probably going to be some like pushback by people listening in their minds where they're thinking, okay, but no one else is me, you know, especially as like a photographer or, you know, a, a coach or whatever it's very easy to feel like you're the only person who can do your job. So what would you say, Simon, to the person who is listening to this who feels like, I don't know how I would market myself if it's no longer me being the star of the show? How can I prove to my clients that these other, this team of people, these certified people under me or or beside me, my team is actually going to give them 
the same quality of service without me being the person that they're actually, you know, purchasing the service from. Do you have thoughts on that? That's a very important question. And I remember myself having the exact this question to my coach. And he said, Simon, that's what that's because you think that you are the impact. You are not the impact. You are overvaluing yourself. The <laughs> impact <laughs> is in your work. So the impact is in your tools. The impact is that you can see and you can create a composition. But that's not you as a person. Mm-hmm. That's your work. Let's think of an artist like Pablo Picasso or Stefan Sagmeister, because everybody knows him, Stefan Sagmeister, and he's still alive. If you want your website built by Stefan Sagmeister, he will not do it mm-hmm. in person. But he will have a whole team in whatever country you are in, and they will do a great work. He might be supervising from time to time, but that's not even important. You might not even see him during the whole project, but you will have the spirit and the impact in every single dot of every page they do. Because Stefan Sagmeister has fired himself out of fulfillment many years ago, he is now capable of teaching the tools, of teaching the methodology. He does it even publicly on Instagram. You can contribute your own project. He will give you work critique. It's amazing, by the way. And um, so there you see the master teaching the technique. And this is exactly what he does in the lab, in the agency. And that's why everybody on his team can bring in superpowers because they know the guiding principles. Mm -hmm. And they know the craft. Now, you need time to teach the guiding principles and to teach the craft. But that's what's in you. And that's the magic. When people touch the magic, they don't touch you. They touch the technique, the composition, the guiding principles of your work. So you have them in your mind. You just need to extrapolate them. Mm. Mm. Well, you kind of already uh, touched on this a little bit. But but the next question I had was, how can then entrepreneurs ensure that their impact to their clients continues when creating this Avengers team? It, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Is it teaching them the, the magic, you would say? Yeah, so first step, get it out of your head. Ask anybody to interview you and say, okay, Simon, when you, when you go there, how do you do it? What's the first thing you do? What's the second? What do you care about? Uh, how do you do that photo? <laughs> What's the pre-photo What's the photo process and what's the post-photo process? Mm -hmm. And then you tell them and they write it down. Now you have the first draft of your certification process. Of course, you will refine it many times, Mm -hmm. but that's the first draft. You can create an online course out of it, how I did. It's a six-week certification program made. It's like an online course, like a masterclass, like I would teach in a university. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing, you get it out of your head because it's there. You have checklists in your head. You have the whole technique in your head. You just don't know it because you never wrote it down. So the first thing, write it down. That's good. The second thing, create a process to ensure the quality. So what I do is every Monday we have coach meeting. So every coach has one slide and on that slide and every slide has the same form. What are the three goals of the client? 
what are the three current KPIs. And in our case, it's their revenue and uh, their NPS. So how happy are their clients and how many new clients did they win this week? But whatever your KPIs are to ensure that the quality is high and the speed is the right speed, measure every seven days. So every Monday, all coaches come together. I am the head coach right now. Soon I will not even be the head coach anymore. I will appoint one of them to head coach. But right now I am the head coach. So every Monday, all come together and we discuss every single client. How is Peter doing? How is Lisa doing? That's how I ensure the quality. So I am really near to my clients, even more than I was when I was delivering. Because if now something pops up that, for example, a piece of the puzzle is missing, um, there is a tool that we need to create, or there is a checklist that is missing and they need it. Now I have the time to create it. So I am mm -hmm. even of more value to them. I love that. We wanted to interrupt this episode real fast to chat about counseling. Now, counseling is so often stigmatized in a negative way, and it absolutely should not be. Because Evie and I so firmly support counseling in all stages of life, we were so excited when BetterHelp, an online counseling company, reached out to us to be a sponsor on the show. We were able to try it ourselves for a bit and our experiences were incredible. I was even able to go on and fill out a full list of information about myself, my desires in a counselor, including religious beliefs and more. I was matched with an amazing counselor who shares my worldview and I absolutely loved the ability to put preferences like that down on the questionnaire. Something else we genuinely loved about BetterHelp is that they offer four ways to get licensed counseling, video sessions, phone calls, live chat, and messaging. It's honestly incredible. If you've been contemplating counseling but are feeling lost on where to start, we definitely recommend BetterHelp. We both had great experiences with them and have so many friends also loving their services. So we have an affiliate link for you today for 10% off your first month. Just go to www.betterhelp.com forward slash heart and hustle. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. <laughs> clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay. But here's the truth. One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack her contracts in her shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com.
Ah, it's such a, a mindset shift. <laughs> this reminds me of like the E-Myth Revisited and like franchising yourself, kind of like McDonald's. Like it's like you as a business, you're franchising like what you do and adding, just like you said, Simon stars to your team, um, which is so good. Because I think especially as service-based businesses, you find that you hit a wall. Like if you only are working as yourself and you add no other stars to your team or no other Avengers to your team, um, there's only so far that you can go. So I love that you're, I think, challenging our listeners. And I I think this is really going to be a really good just conversation for people to hear um, Mm -hmm. to really challenge them in their business strategy and mindset. Absolutely. And you will have so much more time to think about your guiding principles and to, yeah. to see what is there already and what you have what you have collected over the years and decades. So mm-hmm. because you know so much. Yeah. But you you don't you don't see what you know because you don't have it in front of you. You have it in your head right now. Mm-hmm. You, you have to get it out of your head. And because you've learned it slowly over time. And so you sometimes forget, uh, I forget what book I read that talked about the curse of knowledge. And I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but we don't realize how much we know once we know it and we forget what it was like to not know that thing. So our processes, our systems, you know, how we run our business, it's so easy for us to forget what it felt like to not know any of that because we've learned it slowly over time and kind of gotten used to our systems that are now in our heads. I love just the challenge though, Simon, of of getting it down on paper, putting it in front of us, and then handing it off to other people who can help scale and grow your business. That's so good. That was the foundation. Now we can go more advanced because now that you have time as the business owner and you are not the business operator anymore, now you have time to work on form, fit, and function of the sales system because that's now really important. Ooh, talk to us about that. Yeah. So the first part of the sales system is making sure people know who you are and want to work with you. So you have to start with the marketing system. Marketing system, three levels. Attract people, educate people, ask them for work. Now you are not hunting for clients anymore. You want to create a a way for clients to find you. So you have to create the attract moments. That can be a YouTube channel, a podcast, it can be videos, whatever floats your boat. This is the attraction piece. Now you have to link the attraction piece. What happens after you have their attention? How do you get them into, let's say, your email list or whatever is then the next step to be educated about Mm -hmm. what you do and where you can bring them? Maybe I don't even know that photography can bring me somewhere. Maybe I'm thinking about other solutions. So Mm -hmm. educate me. What can a photographer do for me? Mm -hmm. And then you need 8 to 14 contact points where you nurture this relation to me. And at the end, you say, you know what, Simon? All these things, you can have them, and this is how you can have them. That's the third piece of the marketing system. That's ask for work. Hmm. And now when they click there, they are now on the calendar of the sales team. And the job of the sales team is to close that call. I love that. So it's setting up systems that flow 
smoothly so that you're not manually running around <laughs> like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to do everything, trying to attract and trying to, you know, get these, educate these people and then ask for the sale and then, you know, sell them on the sale and close it and then serve them. And you're able to create like a smooth and simplified structure and system that allows it to run by itself so that you have more time to do what you actually need to be doing in your business. Is that right? Absolutely. And, you know, and this is also a craft and I loved to enjoy this one because it's also a piece of art to build this whole funnel. Because mm-hmm. you are building an experience. Mm-hmm. You are building a journey. Every word, you can, you can use your own words. You can use your dialect. You can use your style. And this is a unique experience with you. And you create that experience. Wh- what, is more, what is more art than creating an experience for real people? Oh, that's so beautiful. And it's, I, I keep going back to uh, the E-Myth book. Um, and like, I think just using even McDonald's as the, as the idea of how this started. But I believe like in that book, they like the first McDonald's made like a, um, like a handbook of how that business operated so that it could be replicated. And I love even just what you said about just like getting those ideas out of your head, writing them down on paper and, that way, like you have your value system, you have everything that like your magic that you do to run your business down on paper, that way you can replicate it and expand it upon to other people. Um, I I have a question though, Simon, a lot of our audience, we, we are big on building a personal brand. Um, a lot of our audience is self-made entrepreneurs. And so they're, or I guess, solopreneurs, and they are currently the only ones running their business. And a lot of them are actually the face of their business, no matter what business they're in. So as you add people to your team, how would you recommend going about, because you said like, you're not the star, it's like an entire team of stars. How would you recommend like branding and marketing to transition from just you to then you as a team member in a in a sea of team. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You can still use your face as the main ambassador for easier recognition of the brand. It's much easier to build and scale a personal brand than a a brand that is hard to relate to. If you have two LinkedIn accounts, your personal one and your company one, the LinkedIn one will have much more contacts. It's easier. So keep doing the personal brand. You don't have to change anything in the brand. It's, for example, my YouTube channel is still, you you still see Simon, 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 Simon. Because people know it, they like it. It's easier to connect to one person than to an entity. So keep doing your stuff. Keep doing your style. I would just advise the name shouldn't be just limited to your last name. Make it, make it about the idea, not about yourself. The, mm. idea is, the idea is bigger than yourself. And the idea is what people connect to. But yes, in terms of marketing and of branding, it's much better if you have just one person there talking. It's right. easier to connect right. to Simon than to strategy sprints. For sure, for sure. Because people connect with the, the human element of that. Yeah. I love 
everything that you are saying, this whole, you know, scalable business that runs itself, that gives you more revenue, more impact and more freedom. But for any listener who is listening to this right now, who's like, I love this idea, but where the heck do I start? What advice would you have for them on kind of where, like first two or three steps to to take to get into this, whether that's finding, you know, their people to bring onto their team and how do they find them or whatever you would say to that person who's like, where do I start? I would do two things. Step one, write your manifesto. What do you stand for? And second, make a time analysis and cut out what bugs you. So first, you do your manifesto. What do you stand for? You know, all artists and artist groups have done their manifesto. That's what we stand for. That's what we want to move forward. This is how we operate. So make your manifesto. If you want a template, you can go to strategiesprints.com slash tools and find the brand sprint template there. It will make your lives easier. So first, your manifesto. This is what we stand for. This is what we move forward. And then post it, post it, post it. Tell in tell your people, tell your surroundings, tell your social media that this is what you stand for and this is what you move forward. Second step, do a time analysis. So write down the last two days, what did you do, minute by minute. And then you analyze every single task that you did by plus or minus. Did it give me energy or did it suck energy out of me? Plus, minus, plus, minus. And then you pick the first one and say, who is going to do this even better than me? These are the two things. You have your manifesto, and this will automatically lead people to reach out to you who want to be part of your world. And the second thing is, you know exactly which tasks now to hand over because it's the ones that you have identified. Mm, that's so good. I have a follow-up question. Um, I could I could hear somebody listening to this and thinking, okay, Simon, I, I don't have a, like <laughs> a large audience. I'm doing this. I'm I'm posting my mission statement, my manifesto. Like hardly anybody's listening, or it feels like you're getting no traction. Do you recommend letting people come to you naturally? Or is there any time that you would recommend like going out and actually actively trying to search for somebody almost like you would like hiring somebody. Yeah, you are like, you are hiring and you can, you can even post I'm hiring, but it's much more powerful to talk about your manifesto. Yeah. To really say, Hey, these people, this is what we're moving forward. This is how it looks like. This is how it feels like it's more powerful. And you you have people around you. There is nobody who lives in a box. You have people around you and you don't have, you don't have to have, millions of people. It's enough if you know 100 people and you start there. We all started there. Nobody mm-hmm. started anywhere else. <laughs> That's so good. That's where you start. You just need one, one person, 100 mm-hmm. times to create a, a business that runs itself. One person, 100 times. You don't need 100 clients. You need just one. Mm, oh, that's, that's so good. So good. <laughs> Well, I even think of of when we've hired for the Heart University, Evie, and 
I'm thinking specifically of our podcast manager position. And we just hired Allie like a few months ago. And I think when we were looking at that position, we cared less about the qualifications of like, oh, do you know how to run a podcast? Like those are things are teachable. We were really Mm -hmm. looking for the unteachable things that somebody just like innately had and that they understood the vision, like our mission, which is exactly, Simon, exactly what you're saying. Just like understanding the mission, the manifesto of like, hey, do you, will you be a good asset to the culture of the team versus Mm -hmm. like, I don't care if you know how to like write a blog post, I can teach you that. (laughs) So I, I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Yeah. Look for competence and character, but competence is only, are they willing to learn what is needed to learn? And to be honest, on my team, every day we Google stuff up. How do we do it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's okay. This is competence. Yeah. You know how to find knowledge. That's yeah. it. And we live in an, in an age where every week technology changes. So you will move from that technology to the next technology. In my life, I've, I've moved many websites across technologies. And so I'm happy to Google it, to YouTube it, and to find the answer on the spot. This is the competence. The competence part is, are they willing to Google it? And then there is the character part. Are, are, they, do, are they fitting to your core values and do they have integrity? Mm-hmm. That's the second part. That's so good. And building that, that team, getting you know the phrase, getting the right person on the right seat, like is is so key to your whole team's success, which means it's key to your client's success and, you know, impact in the world around you and staying true to your core values. It's so important to pay attention to those two, competency and character. So I love the way you broke that down and just talking about it. I think that's so important for entrepreneurs who are considering building a team to keep in mind. It's not always about skill, you know, right off the bat. It's looking a little bit deeper and seeing, is this person going to fit with the mission of what we're doing? And are they going to be able to learn and grow with us as we grow as a company? Absolutely. When I want to hire somebody, I go to our communities. There is a Facebook group called Entrepreneurship in Sprints. I post just there, hey, we we are searching for this kind of people in our team. Do, do you know somebody? Mm-hmm. And they know what we stand for. And they know people, they have friends, they have colleagues. So they filter for us. I love that. (laughs) I've loved this entire conversation. I guess nearing the end, we like to ask every single guest on this podcast um, one question that I think everyone has a different answer to. So it's always fun to hear different uh, opinions and perspectives. Um, But the question is, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? So it's kind of a big question. (laughs) (laughs) It is not to ask what people want, but to observe what people do and then build it relentlessly, whatever whatever the word says, keep building it. Oh, I love that. Wait, what do you mean when ask what they do? Could you explain that in a little bit? Yeah, most people send out surveys and say, okay, I'm going to ask my clients what they need and then I build it. Don't do it. Because they only wish for things that are an improvement of their current status. But you know Mm -hmm. where you can bring them. And that's the next level, the next gear. But don't ask what's the next gear. You know it. You are the pro. Go out and build it. 
Mm, that's good. I love that. <laughs> that's almost going to the human nature of of not asking them what they want, but asking them like, what do you already do? Like, because I think as we fill out surveys or like, oh, oh, this is what I want. It's not actually what I'm currently doing. So, ooh, that's good. No one's ever said that before. I love it. <laughs> yeah, just observe. Right now, if you ask people right now, what do you want? They will say, oh, I want to hug somebody. Mm-hmm. But if you But if you observe what they do, they are on Zoom calls and they are annoying. So yeah, <laughs> go out, go out and build something that improves that Zoom call. Yeah. And that you are in the so business, you're dominating. You will have market shares this month if you observe that, what people are really doing. That's so good. Because I think it's often too in, in our minds, we think we know what we want, but if we're viewing it from a limited mindset or, you know, we're not thinking strategically or long-term, if somebody does come in and just observes and then does the long-term thinking along what their actions are, you know, they'll line, that's just powerful. I love that. And in the first years, people will laugh at you. Uh, see, see Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. See, see Elon Musk. People are still laughing at these people, but not very long anymore. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Simon, you are amazing. This has been such a fun conversation for any of our listeners who are as obsessed with you as we are after this conversation. Where can everyone find you, connect with you, learn from you, all of the above? We have a Facebook group and we have a ton of fun there and it's very peer driven. That's entrepreneurship in sprints. But you can find me also on our website, strategiesprints.com. And um, especially strategiesprints.com slash tools is what I would go for because even more impact than talking to me, go (laughs) grab the tools and make magic happen. Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's perfect. Well, Simon, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us. I know this conversation is going to bless our listeners so much. You just gave so much wisdom and I loved chatting with you on how to design a business that runs itself. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Keep rolling, everybody. <laughs>